This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. From London, this is The Standard Podcast, and I'm Mark Blunden. The cleanup continues from Storm Isha after gusts of up to 99 miles per hour battered the United Kingdom. And while London dodged the worst of the winds that lashed much of the rest of the country, the capital's commuters faced the knock-on impact of travel disruption on TfL services as debris blocked train tracks. Many routes into London also suffered delays, including commuter services on South Eastern into Charing Cross. Meanwhile, Avanti West Coast, which runs into London Euston, cut trains on Sunday tea time, leaving travellers stranded as the winds whipped up. Areas in the north of England, Scotland and Northern Ireland experienced their strongest gusts in two decades. And from Bournemouth to Belfast, pictures posted to social media showed trees down and pieces of street furniture turned into virtual missiles, shattering windows and windscreens. In Grangemouth, Fife, an 84-year-old car passenger was crushed to death by a falling tree. Tens of thousands of homes have also been left without electricity and air traffic control restrictions on Sunday night led to flight restrictions and caused many planes to divert. Another storm due to hit the UK on Tuesday, this incoming one's named Storm Jocelyn. Then after the winds comes the floods, often deluging saturated post-storm ground to cause standing water. To discover more about the aftermath of Storm Isha and what more must be done to protect our homes from flood devastation, the Standard Podcast is joined by Sanjay Johal, Community Engagement Manager for the National Flood Forum Support Charity. What's the current situation with flood warnings after Storm Isha? The Met Office currently have said that heavy rain could lead to flooding in the coming week. So as of today, they've issued 30 flood warnings where flooding is expected and then 96 flood alerts. So that's where flooding could be possible. And then also across the UK, there's 50 flood warnings in place for Scotland and six in Wales. So for us, it's a case of I think the winds have been more of the issue over the last 24 hours. But with those warnings, the flooding could impact people across England and parts of Scotland and Wales. What's been the impact of this series of concurrent storms we've experienced? What we've seen with these concurrent events is for many communities, this is not the first time they will be flooded. So especially the previous storm events kind of started off with Babette, where you had quite a lot of communities who already have been flooded, flooded again. Then you went on to Henk, which really damaged parts of the country in similar areas that they've been flooded. And then we'd also saw that areas that wouldn't normally 
have had flood events were also affected. So for us, we're seeing an increase in these flood events where it's becoming a yearly norm, which is a, a sad fact. 25 years ago, flooding was predominantly from rivers, but now we see surface water flooding adding to this. You've got issues such as ageing Victorian infrastructure, which can no longer cope. And of course, we've got the massive increase in development, which is adding to the strain. And that for us is probably one of the reasons why you're getting quite a lot of issues happening through these multiple storms. What are the people who call your helpline telling you about the impact to their lives? Damage to the property is huge. Everything is stripped out. They have to spend months drying the property. Um, We also find that uh, it's the things that you can't calculate or quantify, you know, loss of personal items, of memorabilia. That's that's very hard hit. People are suffering. They're not really having the chance to prepare for it in the sense of sometimes some of these events happen very quickly. Um, if you think of a, a river flood, you're probably thinking, you know, you have time to potentially check the levels, you know, prepare with kind of storm events where it's quick and it's flashy. People might not have that time to prepare and get things ready. And also, I think some of the things we're seeing is is the emotional impact on that. There's people who have to think about where do they need to move out of if they're not able to stay in a property. Um, rented accommodation is a, is a big issue as well in terms of renters uh, worried, will they be having to leave their property um, while it's being renovated, there is no remit for the landlord to rehouse them potentially. So that would mean the case of that they having to live in those conditions where the water hasn't fully left or the water has left and you're left with all the remnants. It's quite a shocking point that happens and some calls that we get, people are very, very upset and quite rightly, lots of issues going on that they need support with. How much are people spending to floodproof their homes? We've had people call us and we've had people tell us that it can cost them anywhere between 30 to 60,000 pounds to put in flood measures into their house. The industry itself, so that the flood risk management industry, there is a, it really depends on how much you invest in those products. There's not really a standardized price for an item, which is why it's difficult to kind of give you a, an indication of how much that would cost. It really depends on the type of flooding that affects your home to the type of measures you would like to get. Let's go to the ads. Coming up, the health cost of living in a damp, flood-ravaged home and what more the government must do to strengthen our flood defences. Why not hit follow in the meantime and give us a rating. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Welcome back. 
Sanjay, what are the flood victims who contact you telling you about the health repercussions of living in a flooded property? It can be very bad. So if your property isn't dried out properly, so that the key thing normally after a flood is once a property is wet, the first thing you need to do is strip it out, make sure that you're able to get down to, if needed, for example, the brickwork to really dry the property out. So the, the key thing after a flood is ensuring that that property is dry before you do any kind of remedial or reinstatement works. Now, what we're finding sometimes, if that's not done properly, you can have something what's called secondary flooding, which is black mould rising, damp in the corners, which is a health at risk to people living there. So it's really key to ensure that that happens. But again, if, if people do not have flood insurance or if people are trying to do this off their own back, maybe it's very expensive to be running dehumidifiers and fans constantly, especially in the current climate. And what we're finding, that we had one case in Storm Dennis, actually, in Kieran Dennis, where we had a single mother living with her child upstairs while the downstairs was completely flooded and she didn't have flood insurance, but she was too terrified to find out what she needed to do, who to go to support with. And her and her child were living off a Bunsen burner in the top room while the downstairs was completely damp. There's been issues of people who don't know where to go, where they just stay in that wet property, which is not good for their health and not good for the the longevity of uh, staying in those properties. It's a very difficult time for people sometimes now if if people are insured and the process of reinstatement starts they should have the support if the flooding is very severe they will be rehomed while that is going on but i'm i'm talking about the case of if you have flood insurance um so cases where you don't always some of these extremes can happen can you expand on the challenges caused by new developments and the aging infrastructure we have been building upon old Victorian infrastructure, so drainage, where our wastewater goes. And, and the issue you have there is, well, we've continued to build upon it. Those systems haven't been upgraded or have gone along with the changing climate. So, for example, a lot of sewer systems, a lot of drainage systems cannot cope with this amount of water that is now regularly getting in. So while it may have been designed 100 years ago for the levels that the Victorians thought it could cope with, it's not coping with the amounts of water that is coming in now. The Public Accounts Committee says the government's not maintained existing flood defences or built enough new ones. What's your view on this? We've been campaigning for this for a long time and a priority for the National Flood Forum is for governments, whichever government of the time, to address the flood grant in aid cost-benefit criteria. So for those who are unsure of this, this is a national pot of money allocated to flooding of which business cases are submitted for plans to mitigate flood. So there are many communities that have and will never match these criteria, leaving people with no hope for the future in terms of their flood risk. We're finding rural and inner city areas are often categorised as deprived areas and are victims of multiple floods. And that profoundly affects their health and well-being. So what we are really campaigning for is saying people who live with repeated flooding, if they're not viable for this criteria, how are they going to get the support? So for us, it's unacceptable to allow people to continue living with such negativity. No one should really have to live a life of such trauma where flood is constant on their minds. And what's some of the flood risk awareness work you're doing in London? We do work across nationally, but our work with communities in London, it really does focus around that surface water flood risk. So for many, many people in London, if you have that very intense rainfall storm event, it can result in 
surface water flooding, which is a, due to a host of factors of the infrastructure not being able to cope with that amount of water and the fact that all that is then inundating into property. So we are supporting and helping communities who have been affected by that surface water flood risk. For us, London, but also kind of nationally, one, one of the key real issues is that we need multiple interventions used together constructively. So sometimes we focus on one solution or if there's not the only solution viable because of the investment that that can get. What we really need is a well thought out plan that complements each intervention used. So, for example, emphasis on community resilience is not enough. People sometimes are powerless to enforce a wider, bigger, more sustainable approach. We really need to be realistic. Flooding has proven to be more frequent. This is going to increase, it seems. There seems to be no urgency on that situation from governments. There's more on this story in the Evening Standard newspaper and online at standard.co.uk. We're back tomorrow at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.